right, we're live. We're live here. Um, yep, it's, it's going live. <laughs> we're already live. So, hello, everyone. We're here with Dr. Jason um, Chiriano. And uh, Dr. Jason, you're you're live there at a hospital working with people with COVID. Um, That's and, correct. And things. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this, and what's going on out there? What's the state of affairs? Sure. So I'm a board certified vascular and general surgeon. I've been in practice for over 10 years. And uh, <clears throat> this is something that we've never seen before. Um, as you know, it's a global crisis. Um, there's been a lot of predictions on how it's been affecting the healthcare system. I think in my hospital right now, we have about 10 to 15 COVID patients. We've dedicated a whole unit just to COVID. Um, so it's made the, the environment in the hospital a bit stressful for healthcare workers. And we have to applaud all the healthcare workers that have been putting their lives on the line to, to help with this pandemic. Um, <clears throat> from my own practice standpoint, you know, as a surgeon, they've, they've shut down the operating rooms for elective cases. So it's creating quite a backlog in our patients and delay of care um, for a lot of the patients. Fortunately for vascular surgery, a lot of our, our surgeries do qualify as kind of urgent. So my business is actually still there. I do a lot of in-hospital work. Um, but, uh, you know, every day we're going in and we're having to get our temperature taken. We're having to use the PPEs. And so it's, it can be quite stressful. Um, and I know a lot of the healthcare workers are, are suffering from depression, anxiety. There's post-traumatic stress syndrome that they think a lot of healthcare workers are going to have from this, from this pandemic. Um, so, you know, part of, you know, why I'm, I'm uh, talking to you today is kind of not only from the state of COVID, but you know, how, how do we cope with this as, as a society and how do we cope with the isolation and the threat to our, our way of life and, and how do we keep our emotions intact and you know, kind of create optimal health for, for us and how to you know, continue on. Mm -hmm. And how do, you, so, how do you think this stress is affecting uh, these health workers and, and what is a solution you think you might have for them? What do you recommend? So. You know, I think it's one of these things where it, it's the uncertainty every day of going in. You don't know what you're, how, if you're going to be exposed that day, if you're going to become positive, if you become positive, are you going to have this horrible course, end up on a ventilator and die within hours? I mean, so there's this complete uncertainty despite all the measures that you might be taking and that you don't know who's infected. You have to assume everybody's infected. And so, you know, on that standpoint, we really just, you know, from just a health standpoint, you have to take the proper measures to protect yourself, which is, you know, mask, gown, gloves most of the time, and just assume everybody has it. But from an emotional standpoint, you know, typically I would say, let's lean on those that, that support us. Let's come together and uh, talk about it, um, seek help when we can. Unfortunately, a lot of the isolation we have now, even that, you know, communal getting together and things like that are, are difficult. So that, then you have to look at ways to optimize your emotional state and uh, your immune system, because we know that stress causes a depression in the immune system. So if you're stressed, um, your immune system is going to suffer. If your immune system suffers then you're become more susceptible to infections such as COVID and maybe even have a worse outcome. So there's a lot of studies out there that link emotional state to immunosuppression. And there was a recent meta-analysis that looked at this. It was like 300 studies. And uh, what they find is, you know, with acute stress like this, all of your cytotoxic activity, natural killer cells in the immune system kind of all depress. And then over time, the immune function actually, if this goes on chronically, the entire immune system can 
the entire functionality of the immune system goes down. And there's a lot of thoughts that this may contribute to uh, rheumatologic diseases, uh, multiple sclerosis, um, obviously depression, um, and other immunological uh, conditions. So um, somehow maintaining an emotional balance is important. There's been a lot of studies on meditation. Um, uh, there's mindfulness exercises. There was a study that looked at patients who underwent 20 to 30 minutes of mindfulness exercises, such as meditation for 20 to 30 minutes a day for six days a week. And what they found was a boost in their immune function for those that also showed an improvement in their mood. So that mindfulness aspect is really, really important. And it's something that in the healthcare field, a lot of us are not really in tune with. It's not something that, that we're, you know, that healthcare workers typically think about, but you know, in this state of affairs, it's something we really need to start thinking about. Right. Yeah. One of the things we've noticed um, when you, in your, your profession without COVID, you know, dealing with cardiovascular issues, there was an article actually that came out that said, where have all the heart attacks gone? Because, mm-hmm. is there less going on now is that is that happening or because they're like that was one of the explanations they were saying of why the hospital is so empty is people aren't having heart attacks or they're not going to the hospital when they get them or something i'm not sure oh that's absolutely true i think a lot of people are staying home um, instead of going to the hospital in fact you know besides new york there's been a lot of hospitals in the nation that are empty um, except for covid patients and there are hospitals that have been set up as makeshift hospitals that are shutting down um, the ERs are fairly empty, except for people that are coming in for COVID. So you have to think all these patients are kind of sitting at home when maybe they should be being seen. And so it, it, it's a ripple effect on the healthcare system. So not only is the healthcare system being overrun, you know, some of it with with COVID, I think we're going to see a backlash of this, these people coming in with late stage problems that if they don't get back into the healthcare system, then we're going to have a bigger problem on our hands. Right. So yeah. When you think about changing this philosophy that we talked about earlier about, you know, the medical professional isn't like thinking about stress as a, a contributing mm-hmm. factor as much. We know that this, the science is out there, you know, up to 97%, some studies show uh, exacerbates uh, a condition. But uh, what do you think's going on there as far as the philosophy concerning ways to treat your patients and that? How is that changing now with, with the what's happening? Yeah, so, you know, throughout my training, so when I started my training, any sign of emotional stress was considered a weakness, you know, it's surgical training. So we were just hazed. I was hazed for seven years, five years of general surgery, two years of vascular surgery, working 130, 40 hours a week, passing out in the operating room from exhaustion. Nobody really cared. Now, since that time, there's been an evolution, even through training, that there's been uh, wellness uh, seminars. Uh, the 80-hour work week was implemented, so residents are getting more sleep these days. There are even some inter- internships, they're mandated to even have nap time, quote unquote. Um, and so there's been more, I think, of an understanding that mental well-being is also an important part of taking care of patients. The physician burnout rate right now is very high. Um, it's upwards of 70, 75%, and physician suicide rates are through the roof. And in fact, vascular surgeons have the highest suicide rate uh, in the country. Um, so there's definitely been more of a cognizance of how, how do we get healthcare workers and physicians to take care of themselves so they can take care of their patients. And so that acceptance, I think, is leading now to more of this being integrated into, first of all, the training program. So when they when physicians do come out, they know how to take care of themselves better than when they were know than they would have if that wouldn't have been instilled in them in training Mm -hmm. so um so that's i think a way that the healthcare system has been embracing that a little bit more and i and i think it's becoming more of a cultural thing that it's okay to say i'm tired it's okay to say i'm stressed out before it wasn't that way 
So I notice more of those conversations going on in the hospital these days. Right. We've had um, we've had several of our doctors that are emergency room doctors. Uh, one actually has our HRV, which measures the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And uh, he brought it in because he was using it and people were asking. So he was showing them their nervous system and what it looked like. It, when you work that many hours, it's equivalent to like driving drunk. Yeah, they, they, they say with <laughs> they show yeah. that. So, yeah. I mean, when he was showing he was showing them, hey, instead of just coming in here, having a coffee or whatever, do a brain tap session for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And then he was showing them how it was boosting. And they were feeling so much better that that turned their mind. It said, hey, they're because they want they want a technology intervention too. you know, they, they don't want Absolutely. to go learn how to meditate for, you know, 30 years. They want to just have the result of that uh, reboot. So right. what do you think about how do you think that fits into what's happening now and maybe even changing the story? Because like this emergency doctor, uh, there's two of them I'm thinking of. They both said that uh, they were going to leave their brain tap at the hospital for people. To yeah. use. And I recommended they had some more. So I said, you should bring a couple and then take yours home because you're going to need it anyway. But right. it's, it's amazing what happens, especially when you're in high stress. You're just burning out all of your chemical uh, factories or factors in your body and you, then your body's saying hey we need to reboot so we can we can replenish these and but if you keep pushing through it and I, I want to go back did you say they've changed it now it's so much better because you have an 80 hour work week or something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so I mean like I said I was working I was working about 130 140 hours a week I did that for almost seven years I was on call every other night for 18 months and so you can imagine, I mean, I was suffering from chronic migraines about 15 days a month and having to work through those. I had to have back surgery during that time. And so there was a lot of health problems that I developed, you know, just during my training because of all the exhaustion. But in answer to your question, I think BrainTap is awesome for this because the problem with meditation is that you have to really learn how to do it. And I think with something with BrainTap where it guides you, it's a guided experience. Um, and it modulates your brain waves and it kind of, like you said, reboots everything and it does it very quickly. And it'd be interesting to look at the physiologic effect of that over time, looking at bioinflammatory markers such as IL-6, tumor necrosis factors, inflammation, cortisol levels, all those things, you know, in, in well-conducted studies to see how, I, I would imagine that you would see a decline in a lot of those inflammatory markers. And we know that inflammation is probably the main cause of disease. And that's why, you know, getting in a, a, a low inflammatory diet, controlling your emotional state, uh, nutraceuticals that decrease inflammation, such as turmeric, uh, which is really a great anti-inflammatory. Um, and then even statin, you know, from a conventional side, statin therapy, uh, which has been shown not only to decrease heart attack and strokes uh, from the cholesterol level, but also the fact that it decreases inflammation independent of cholesterol, we're seeing decreased morbidity from cardiovascular disease. So if you can see that, something like brain tap would decrease those inflammatory markers. I think you'd see a huge benefit and I'm sure it does. Right. Yeah. yeah. We need to get, uh, I know that right now we have several studies going on that were stopped. Unfortunately, one yeah. was, we're doing a study with, uh, that the actual Brazilian government funded, uh, $82,000 study on fibromyalgia. And uh -huh. what we talked to them about in the study was looking at the inflammation that I think yes. it's an inflammatory process. That's Absolutely. And it shows up in the nerves, you know, the myelin sheath breaks down and they're feeling that pain. So mm -hmm. we were getting good results. So hopefully they're still using their brain tap so we can get, we can just catch up when they're done. But I think that's great. I mean, we probably need to have you talk to Francisco or Dr. Vivek who are doing the studies. We have, um, 
seven studies going on in India right now with the Government Institute of Medical Sciences. It's a medical company. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there, um, because they have the they have the students, we can run them through the program. <laughs> so right, they're, right. They're doing a lot uh, with that, and we're we're trying to find out about depression, anxiety, and stress, and all of that. So that mm-hmm. takes me to my next question for you. When you think about cognitive and physical optimization, um, how do you think that will help the patients? I mean, think about and we know it'll help the workers. I mean, I think right. they, they should all be doing something. Uh, uh, my brother-in-law, who's a medical doctor, but he's a maxillofacial surgeon, so he's not involved right now. He's sure. just waiting to go collect the rest of his money that he can get. He's, yeah. he's all cash, so they, nobody's doing. Oh yeah, surgeries right nobody's. Now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, when he comes home after a day of surgery, I measured him, and we have a scale of 100, of course, being your brain's in optimal health. Zero, of course, you want to get some something done. He was right. a one. He was a one at the end of the day, and he he comes home and has a beer every night, just one. But right. And I said, let's do it after the. At the beer took him to zero. I said I didn't do anything. He said psychologically it helped him. Sure. So, but but physiologically probably not. So yeah. I showed him on the brain tap, and within three days we had him back up to sixty four percent neurological function. And now when he comes home from work, he's doing the brain tap session. Because it doesn't, in his isn't is stress. I mean, it's always stressful if you're doing surgery. I mean, you're talking about somebody's, you know, they're put out. Right. You've got a lot on the line there, and you're working against the clock, and you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things going on. So, you know, we need to make sure these medical professionals are getting the best help. But what do you think about the patients and optimizing their physical and mental mental health? No, absolutely. I think when you're looking at the healing process, you know, emotional state also plays a big role in it, you know, because I've seen patients and I don't have conducted studies about it, but patients that have a positive attitude after surgery and are are emotionally stable often do better than patients that are either depressed or anxious or, you know, so if you can get patients, say even a post-surgical patient to reboot cognitively, um, and maybe you decrease their inflammatory cytokines, you reduce these types of things. And potentially, I think you would set them up to do better postoperatively and in the long term. You know, you keep that inflammation down, you keep their emotional state up so that that physiocognitive balance uh, will be more in line. And I think they would definitely do better in the long term. So I think that's something in time that we as healthcare professionals really need to incorporate into our treatment algorithms to patients, not only looking at their physical, but looking at their overall well-being. You know, and, and again, something like BrainTap, where you can send them home with it and say, hey, you know, do this at home and top, on top of your normal medical treatments and uh, let's see how you do. Right. Yeah. So we're here talking to Dr. Jason uh, Chiriano and he's a vascular surgeon. He's been doing this for 10 years and he's on the front lines right now out there seeing what's happening in the hospitals, dealing with the stress of this COVID-19 and getting, getting people recovered in that. And you can check him out on uh, Instagram. We, we're going to post that. It's dr underscore lim reaper. Yes. <laughs> so it's dr underscore l-i-m-b-r-e-a-p-e-r. Tell us, I know you have a very unique social media channel. I do. So, I do. So, why don't so you tell us a little bit about that. So uh, yeah. So, I mean, the name I know is a bit shocking, Dr. Lim Reaper. So part, a large part of my job, unfortunately, is performing amputations on late stage, either diabetics or peripheral vascular disease. So, you know, I used to, I used to say, well, I'm kind of like the Lim Reaper because they come to me, I always have to take their legs off. So I wanted something that was going to grab people's attention, but my intention on the page is not to shock or awe, it's actually to educate. And, you know, a lot of people with diabetes, 
um, heart disease, peripheral vascular disease are, you know, they have a disease process that can be silent for years and years and years, and they continue to smoke and don't take care of themselves or, you know, have high cholesterol and don't know it. And so what I wanted to show them is what happens at the end stage of their disease so that they can be more cognizant of the silent killers early on. And so if you look at my videos on my page, I do video my surgeries, but I also give a nice explanation of why this happened, how they can prevent it, you know, and give them strategies. Um, so I have been very in tune with overall health for a long time, but I think now I'm just kind of shifting over to a, a more in that direction as far as being alternative and, and looking more at the cognitive side of things as well. So, but my, my page, uh, I think is still very educational and I can, I will continue to post on it. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. So you want to see what he does when he's not dealing with COVID-19. Go to that Instagram page. You get to see, um, maybe not the shock and awe, but you might be shocked and you might be at there all. Is a, there is what some shock and awe. There yeah. is some shock and awe. Yeah, I, think I, I actually people... got into some problems with my hospital because I thought that uh, yeah, the shock was too much, but I had to make a case for it. So. No, I think that's great to inform people. People get to see the end result and, and yeah. what's happening. So tell yeah. me, now I know there's a lot of revolutionary therapy coming out in the last five years, you know, people haven't heard of. And I know you're right there in the cutting edge, you're doing something with stem cells. So yes. tell me what you think stem cell therapy, first tell us a little bit about what stem cell therapy is, because we might have listeners that have no idea what we're talking about there. And then sure. how that can relate to the COVID uh, pandemic that's going on right now. Yeah, so stem cells are very interesting. And I think as time has gone on, stem cells uh, are becoming more accepted. But stem cells, in short, are pluripotent cells. They are harvested from several different ways. Um, the way, I think the most effective way to get them is from placenta or cord blood. So actually, there's a couple companies, Biogenics is one of them, that uh, harvests uh, these cells from placentas and cord blood that moms donate at the time of delivery. And they process it and they send out the cells. So these are live cells. They can, be, they can develop into whatever they want to, connective tissue, fat, muscle. Um, and if you inject them locally, uh, paracrine signaling will attract them to the area of injury and then they can incorporate. Uh, they've been used in anti-aging uh, treatments as well, overall health promotion treatments. But uh, the, it's interesting, they're, use in, they're being used in COVID. There was a study that came out of China that looked at seven patients, four of which were in the, in the, uh, in the stem cell group and three were in placebo. The four patients that got stem cells were either in the intensive care or very sick. They all recovered. And interestingly, the one in intensive care, they got off the vent within three days. And the typical time to be on the vent with COVID is upwards of 21 days. And so although it's a small study, and I think that's still anecdotal evidence, uh, there is some evidence that the stem cells may decrease that cytokine response that you're seeing, which causes people to die, the cytokine storm and uh, may uh, promote the immune system to better deal with COVID. And so um, it'll be interesting to see where these stem cells continue to be used in the COVID crisis, but uh, there is some promising uh, small study results with them so far. I know, I know yeah. it's been, stem cells have been very, very good with people with lung disorders. Like, uh, yes. You know, um, trying to think of the, the main one that's out there people get shortness of breath yeah emphysema copd yeah, yeah. yes mm -hmm. those are all people that actually if they take the flu shot some of them don't make it because they absolutely it's, it's the last um it's the last thing that they need you know to right. compromise their immune system so right it's, it's something really good so tell us uh when in just so the listeners know my wife and i both mm -hmm. used uh, stem cells from biogenics and mm -hmm. uh, it helped me with my ankle but mm -hmm. it helped my wife she had surgery on her neck and uh, complications with that. She had uh, 
artificial two artificial vertebrae put in because her she had a car accident and it crushed the vertebrae okay the pain she was in constant pain after the surgery once she had the stem cells she's not been in pain since then so right like, i don't know exactly how it works all the mechanisms of action like you do but it yeah. really worked well um so, so tell us a little bit about other holistic type therapies i mean stem cells might be i mean that's like i think the medical world once they really realize what it can do we have no idea where the extent it's going to go right what other holistic therapies do you think are important during this time with, with COVID? That, yeah who's, who's thinking they're having it or how can they protect themselves maybe? yeah so i think always supplementation is good nutraceuticals are good um you don't want to go overboard but i think you know some of the studies out there with COVID definitely has seen an advantage with zinc um, zinc is one of those things, one of those elements that prevents the proliferation of the viral RNA. The problem with zinc is that you can't get it into the cell. So you have to have an ionophore to get zinc into the cell. And so that's why the hydroxychloroquine has been thought to work because it gets zinc into the cell. But still supplementing with zinc is good. I think, like I said, any nutraceuticals that decrease inflammation, like I said, turmeric is really good. Um, there's a company called Nutrition that looks at your genetics and uh, will tailor a nutraceutical supplement for you. I use it and I've noticed a great difference on how I feel. But on top of the nutraceuticals, there's always, you know, with brain tap, I think is great. But also there's magnetics of PMF, right? So magnetic therapy. I think that has been shown to increase oxygen uptake by cells. Um, and you combine that with vibration, you combine that with, with brain tap, and I know it's all designed to work together. So I think you get a nice holistic treatment with that that's non-invasive and patients could potentially even do it at home and see a huge benefit from it. So I think you combine the supplementation with some of those treatments and I think you'll be on the road to, to better overall health. Right, and if you don't yeah. have brain tap right now out there, we, we're doing a free uh, gift. It's a 30 day COVID kind of, we're calling it brain tap retreat. They can go to the site, gobraintap.com they can download that for free and use it for 30 days and, and get a little bit more understanding what Dr. Jason's talking about here. So you can, you don't have the light portion of it, that's the headset, but you can right. do it your earbuds or your earphones and start getting rid of some of that stress and sleeping better. What do you think yeah. the role in, like when you see a COVID patient that comes in and they're not sleeping well, what's the difference between somebody who sleeps well and somebody who doesn't? Because that's a big factor here. I think people are in there partying, What what, you know, think of lifestyle choices right now right we should be doing to protect right them. well yeah i mean that's funny i mean you know the substance abuse rates are up through the roof right now alcohol sales are up 200 percent suicide rates are up people are there's all these concerns about bad habits that people are developing and we, we you know we don't know the exact function of why sleep helps us but we do know that it helps the brain process and good sleep is really important for restoring energy, restoring you know, inner metabolism, inner homeostasis. So when you're getting good sleep, that will promote better health. And so anything that helps you get better you know, sleep patterns will, will definitely help. But the substance abuse and all that is, is a big deal. You know, it's a big deal right now with the COVID crisis, yeah. So you've shared a lot of great information with us, but I wanna make sure you, what do you, if, with everything you've said, is there something you want to reinforce or something more you want to add to the conversation so that people understand what's going on out there and that there is a solution? I mean, are you yeah. seeing it? Are you seeing it? I know in New York now they're saying it's flattening out, but what yeah. is out there as far as where is it growing where you're at or is it? No, you know, it's interesting. I've been I've been saying this all along. I've been really proud of California. Um, our caseload has been very high, but our death rate has been very low. 
And I think a lot of that, I think the Californians have really taken to heart the social distancing. I think we're doing the right things. Um, I am concerned that the social distancing in the long term may prolong the pandemic because we're not developing the herd immunity that we need. So we're kind of just hiding from the virus. So I think while we're hiding from the virus and until there's a good therapy or a good vaccine, I think the only thing we can do is take care of ourselves. And so I want to really enforce that, you know, this is, there are ways to take care of yourself, get good sleep, eat well, you know, don't drink too much, don't smoke, you know, take your nutraceuticals, get, you know, use the brain tap if you have it, use any holistic ways of, of getting your cognitive state into a better emotional state, which will help boost your immune system. And that's what you really need. That's the only defense you have right now, uh, aside from not getting it, um, the COVID. So. One other question I want to, because it's just been new in the news, and I don't know if it's just part of the scare campaign or if it's true, since you're right there, we'll ask. The, uh, when they're saying now that it's reoccurring, it's a small percentage in, in right. that it's reoccurring, but what do you think is causing that? And do you think it's a reoccurrence or do you think they just weren't done being fixed or, you know, whatever they weren't, they weren't over it. And then they went back. Right. And so, so you're taking, taking, talking about people that tested positive and tested negative and now are testing positive again. Yeah. Right. So there, there are some theories about that because the coronavirus is not thought to be a virus that reactivates. It's, it's a flu virus. It doesn't, you know, go into a latent phase and then reactivate. So either a few things are happening, either a, they're getting reinfected through a different strain. You know, as we know with influenza, there can be mutations, uh, or the test is not good. And uh, which we know this test for COVID is not great. The, the false positive and false negatives are, are high. And the test actually wasn't even intended to test for COVID. It was tested, it was intended to be tested for something else. Uh, so, you know, it may be with improved testing, we won't see that, but maybe people are getting reinfected with a different strain. It's hard to know. And we know that even with, if you have antibodies to COVID, we don't know that you're actually immune to COVID. I know yeah. our, our factories are in China and they're telling us everything's normal over there. They actually sent us their masks so we could, I have a, a right. works in the hospital and they were saying they couldn't get masks. So they sent us like a thousand five hundred masks and I sent, I sent them to work with her. So she, could, right. I mean, we, we have our, our my wife's sister-in-law is one of these Susie homemakers. Uh -huh, uh -huh. She made us, she made us mask. Um, and she said she was using the Chicago bear, um, fabric for toilet paper so i don't know what that means they're they're they're, they're green bay packer fans so okay all right that it works. you know but i th i think that uh here we're not required to wear them out right there, but some people are choosing to because you know they have it and uh of course yeah. i had to go in and see my doctor not for anything related to this just to something else was going on and i had to wear it you know because when you're going in there they do your they check your temperature mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was I was 97 point something, so I was right. The, um, well, well, we're required to wear masks in California, and in fact, we can get to find up to a thousand dollars if we don't have a mask on in public. Okay, so yeah. um, what do you? Th because I don't think everybody understands why you would want to wear a mask in public. Sure. What? benefits for that and then we'll we'll wrap up the call. Sure. So we, as we know, the masks aren't going to prevent transmission. Uh, we, it's not like they're a sealed thing, but what it does, it just prevents you from touching your face. Um, it, it gives you that recognition that you can't touch your face. And if you do happen to sneeze in front of somebody, it may prevent some of that. But, you know, we're touching a lot of surfaces and then that's the thought of transmissions that you go and touch your face. So I think having the mask on prevents that from happening. I don't believe the virus is airborne. Um, there's no good evidence that it's airborne. It is spread by respiratory droplets. Um, but so it's not like you're preventing yourself from getting an airborne disease by wearing a mask. Yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Jason, this has been great. Been very enlightening. Yeah. 
Um, I know that uh, we might want to have you back in a couple of weeks. If we get some sure. updates or something like that, yeah. give the Brain Tap Nation uh, inside you from uh, the. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate you doing it because the other doctor, we had two other doctors that I reached out to actually before uh, you were put, we were put together and to mm-hmm. do this. They were so busy. Oh. I mean, I guess he's still doing that 80 hour or more work week or whatever. It's crazy. Right, right. <laughs> These are people that should be on the top of their game. I think we should have them working, you know, two, four hour shifts with enough time in the middle to take a break or something. I don't they know. They can do a brain tap in between yeah. shifts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, but I, I appreciate your time. And no, no, thank you. And thank you for all the work that you've done for, you know, this, this mode of therapy. It's been awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Keep Thanks in mind, again. keep in mind, he is in the hospital right now as he's meeting yeah. with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's great. So it's good to, it's good to hear from somebody on the front lines. Yeah. It's right there dealing with it, seeing it so we can kind of get some clarity around what's going on. Cause too many times in the news, of course, it's, we know it's bad, but I mean, they, they get paid when it's even worse. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So right. It's good, to, it's good to hear it from you. And I'm yep. sure that the brain tap nation appreciates it. We're going to post this. If you want to see Dr. Lim Reaper, uh, or underscore Lim Reaper. Under, underscore Lim. I'm going to put the link directly to it in the in the body of the uh, okay of the uh, the post here. So you can just go there, click on it, go research him a little bit, see what's going on, and then uh, you know I appreciate it. Get back in there, do what you got to do. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for being part of the solution. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, little little plug. Just make sure you subscribe, guys, to the YouTube channel, and uh, we're going to have uh, our yearly event with BrainTap hopefully soon and Dr. Jason you'll be at that one as well. Yeah, so it's been very very good to have you here. So. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Everyone. Thanks.